0: I'm sorry to say that Stuart's not able to be here today for a, uh, a totally unmovable uh, appointment, so uh, it's my pleasure to invite um, Joanna Eisenberg to give her a third of the Hintry series. Thank you. Thank you a different topic. You will see that there is some connections to self-assembly, to crystallization and in strange way, but in fact what I want to talk about today is dynamic materials and in particular materials that can be actuated and I want to give it a little bit of um, female touch and uh, you will see that in fact the entire lecture would be all about hair. So just to go through the list of things that I hope I can cover, if not, it's okay. So just the evolution of this hairy science is uh, uh, trying to think about and discuss um, self-assembly Um, my dying pointer of how hairy surfaces self-assemble. then to see how actuation at the nanoscale ca- can take place, going to broad range of dynamic surfaces with chemomechanical actuation in its core and then trying to show you potential interesting application to show materials with dynamic color, materials with reversible hydrophobicity, um, how to use it for cell control or cell uh, proliferation control, and maybe then to move to homeostatic materials, self-regulating structures. And um, with that, let me just think again you may think I'm obsessed with via inspiration. And you're right, I am. <laughs> um, but let's think about um, hairy surfaces in nature. And they're everywhere. And a very good example that probably all of you know is if we think about gecko. They have web feet with multiple high aspect ratio um, division of, of their um, Web foot. Another example that I really like a lot is this beetle that changes it, its adhesion to the surface by changing clustering of these high aspect ratio hairy feet. So depending on the size of the cluster, it would be more adhesive or less, and it depending on the surfaces that they want to climb on. At the same time, if we think about what is going on in most um, of artificial processes where there is a need to form high aspect ratio structures, whether it's carbon nanotubes or any other things. And especially if they're made by um, liquid phase processing, what happens then is that these structures begin to cluster. Similar to that, but this is controlled process. Beetle does know, or evolution made sure that clustering will correspond to the forces and adhesive parameters that it needs. But in our case, often, if not always, this assembly, we want to avoid it. We want forests of high-aspect ratio structures, and it's poorly controlled. So let's see what we can do with that. And let's first create a synthetic hairy surface, (coughs) but just spiny surface that are quite similar to uh, echinoderms, echinoderm spines at least. And this is uh, the surface made in silicon. And yeah, it has these structures. The ones that are shown here are about 200 nanometers in diameter, and there's nothing dynamic about it yet. What we can do, and just actually to make the surface like that on a small scale, um, is not that easy. It's a, it's a very tedious process of multiply um, using etching in the, sol- in the um, lithographic procedure, because if you um, increase the etch period, you would see, and I hope you see this wall structure is not straight. It forms these uh, what is called scallops on the surface. (laughs) Because you have to etch, come back, etch again. Otherwise, you will undercut the structure and it will be be gone. In electronic materials and engineering, everybody hates this scalloping. I love it. It actually would be extremely important to uh, what I want to show you and what can be done with these things. So OK, you, you, you can produce this high aspect ratio structure. Very expensive, very long. But you can now take this as a master, and using soft lithography technique, you can now take that, create um, a, for example, in polydimethylsiloxane, um, replica of it, which, which would be a negative of this structure. But then having that and using it as a mold to put inside these pockets Now, any other material that you want. And what you get then is the replica of the original structure in any material, uh, almost in any material you want, but certainly in polymers, but not only in ceramics. Uh, The beauty of this is that, first of all, you can replicate it as many times as you want. You go to clean room only once. Um, But also, you have the ability to control uh, to control the mechanical properties, and also chemistry of the structures that you make. So that um, you, you can now make, instead of stiff silica posts, you can now, for the same mechanical properties, you can now make structures that are much wider than that in polymer, for example. Or you can just change these materials in ways you want, where mechanics is particularly important. And let's now take these surfaces and do an extremely simple experiment. So here is the array of hairs on the surface. They're static. Nothing is happening there. But I will just begin with exposing it to a liquid and letting liquid evaporate. It's a well-known problem. And it's uh, been done before and discussed In a sense that, if we look at this problem, it is what is called um, elastic capillarity. Is that depending on how stiff these structures are, and depending on the capillary force that is there, if you have relatively stiff sheet, uh, it will come together maybe a little bit, but not much, if they're uh, relatively soft they will come much more due to the uh, capillary forces in the system. I'll show you that it's not enough to see uh, this system this way, because chemistry is extremely important. But let's, for now, treat it just simply like that and watch that array of structures as liquid evaporates from this system. So we can, of course, describe it in terms of a bending force. And there would be a certain characteristic length um, if I now compare the bending force with capillary force. For the certain characteristic lengths, these structures may now come together or not. So let's first look at the regime one. If the lengths of my structures are shorter ca- than characteristic lengths that can bring them together um, through capillary action, then nothing will happen. So the structures will remain as they were before. However, if this length is, if the structures are longer, which means softer, um, then this critical length uh, that is required uh, for capillary force to, to bend them. However, if adhesion between the structures is insufficient, then doesn't matter that they will come together if adhesion is not enough to hold them together, the outcome of that is that they will stay, stand straight anyway. More interesting is, of course, regime two, where the length of them is larger than the critical length for, for uh, capillary f- interaction. And it's almost the same, but larger, than the critical lengths for adhesive interaction. What happens then is from this array of high aspect ratio structures, they're put in a square arrangement on the surface. They now make clusters, and in particular clusters of, of four in this case, and beautiful clusters of four. This is not uh, a simulation. This is um, SEM image of this clustered surface. Even more interesting things begin to happen when the length is um, actually much larger than the one required for, uh, for adhesive contact. So what happens then is that to improve energy of this interaction, uh, the structures want to increase their contact line. And from the point contact, as it is in top case, they. Create a line contact, and what happens in this system, even though there is no chiral field, there is no asymmetry in the entire array. This is just um, symmetrical uh, c- cylindrical columns um, with evaporating liquid. You could see this chiral rearrangement of these structures, so that that gives them more contact, better energetic state. If they're even more adhesive or longer, what happens then to make this contact even higher and, again, improve the um, energy of interaction for Instead of just crossing like that, they twist around each other and, again, increasing this um, advantageous contact that the structures may have. And they begin to twist. So you begin to get interesting twisting and chiral patterns in this system, but there's more than that. If they're even longer than that, the moment they make these clusters, they're still very tall and still quite flexible if these structures are long enough. It means that there is a regime three. Where if you will look at the capillary force after making the clusters, they now can form clusters of higher order. And out of four clusters of four, you will form clusters of 16. Again, if they are soft enough, they can go further and create clusters of higher order. Now between these clusters, and you actually should see the history of an entire self-assembly process. And this is not assembly of hair by hair you could see that the entire, this beautifully twisted assembly is actually composed of these braids of those chirally assembled structures that appeared on the previous stage. So there's very interesting way of hierarchical self-assembly that one can see in this system. And what is interesting, we can actually watch these things form. And we see that if we look, for example, on the cluster size as a function of time, it goes through all the clo- it goes through all these stages, and you can watch them. It first does that, then chiral rearrangement, uh, then it waits a little bit at this stage, and then suddenly capillary force becomes sufficient to move them to a next stage, next stage, next stage. So, why this is actually happening is really interesting. So, one thing let's come back to this: the way that these structures are um, scalloped structures, not straight. And there are two advantages in that. One is purely simple mechanical advantage, having these larger diameter and smaller diameter parts. This is um, the structures that we make. This is their wall. Just makes them more more flexible. But probably even more important is an advantage that comes from surface tension and the uh, capillary advantage. So let's imagine that they would be be having straight walls. As the liquid evaporates, it would keep the same contact angle that is characteristic uh, for, for this system, and it would just recede in the system. What it means that as time progresses, the same capillary force would be acting on a shorter and shorter pillars, which means it would be, the pillars would be stiffer and stiffer, so they won't be able to be um, actually um, assembled through this force. What happens when you have uh, this um, structured surface is, in fact, that now the contact line pinning occurs because it has to overcome the changes in the surface topography. And because surface line, uh, the pinning occurs on this case, pinned at the top of these structures. So as evaporation takes place, actually capillary force is increasing. So it can act on these structures more and more strongly as evaporation takes place, and therefore create very large assemblies in this manner. Many things that you can do, and coming to here, you start with a uh, crew cut, and depending which liquid you use, because then you, you uh, control capillarity, or which structures you use, you c- or direction of evaporation, you can make braids, you can make uh, dreadlocks, and many interesting other things. But let's take a look at this. And I mentioned chirality. However, it's probably obvious, at least from the point of view, of switching of these structures, it doesn't matter for them whether to go left or right side of that uh, arrangement. And in fact, in this image, you could see that, I hope you could see that these one, two, three, they're twisting clockwise, and this one is uh, twisting counterclockwise. So is there an interesting thing that we can do with that part? And uh, chirality is, in fact, an extremely important thing. Of course, for all of us, we are chemists. We love chirality. Molecular chirality is obvious. Uh, it's also a very common thing to think about galaxies for in other sciences. But the question of um, mesoscopic or chirality at the micron scale is not that well understood. Um, there's beautiful papers appearing more and more, how particles uh, begin to assemble in chiral as, uh, uh, manner. But what is it that is beyond molecular forces and, and somehow creating chirality? And as an example of yet another system uh, that um, for me, as a person who is really interested in biomineralization and minerals of all kinds, is probably this um, example. So here's. Uh, There are two very close species of snails. Almost everything is the same, but one species makes left-handed shell and the other one right-handed shell. Other than that, they really want to make love. However, if they are the same chirality, they can align their reproductive organs, but if they're not, They actually try for a long time. It's a beautiful thing to watch them try, (laughs) but they cannot. So something is there where chirality is now on a different level that actually has a function in nature in in one way or another. So what can we do here? We can do something with these structures. Probably two ways. Uh, One is instead of just purely spherical a uh, uh, circular cross-section of these columns. If they become a little bit elliptical, then they would, of course, come together um, preferential in certain direction, but not in another direction. Or yet another and actually much easier way to do it. We make these structures by, um, uh, by using the by using the mold and then making a polymeric uh, replica out of that. If I would just brush it a little bit and give it very small tilt, so they're not perfectly perpendicular to the, um, to the substrate, but they have a very small um, angle with the crystallographic orientation, uh, crystallographic unit cell over the underlying square array, Then when they come together, they will come always from the same side, not from the other side. So it would be only directional um, rearrangement. And here is an example of these doublets, very regular array of these dimers with where they all come from the same side. So you can have very large array of uniform um, self-assembled structures, even with uniform chirality. Let's look at this further. And I'm again showing you that it's very regular, almost no mistakes in how they do it. So where does this higher order assembly comes from? If we look at this system as evaporation takes place, if there is no defects, if everything is perfect, which is never the case, uh, then you would have exactly the same forces Um, on every post in this structure. However, and then they are not supposed to move. So the liquid is supposed to evaporate, and nothing else would happen. However, there are always defects or locally temperature gradients. And let's say the first two came together. And what that creates is asymmetry on the next one. So now the force is. moving it preferentially towards the next neighbor. So there would be no such case that this one would be left behind. And now these two would get together. So what happens then is it's like a um, domino that now the next one will assemble and the next one. And in fact, out of this array of just regular square array of, um, of high aspect ratio structures, you will get a crystal, a polycrystal in the array. You could see that it really consists of perfectly assembled blocks, uh, single crystals. And since this nucleation event can take place in different places, they are not necessarily in register. You actually have domain boundaries between different systems. But it's all made of, in this particular case, of uh, tetramers of these structures. So this is back to crystallization. Because you have multiple nucleation events, you are not creating single crystal, it's a polycrystalline in array of these self-assembled structures. But if I control nucleation and we can do it by let's say if these structures are polymeric and they can be charged under electron beam for example or in some other ways. So for example, what we can do is to subject them to electron beam just at the um, SEM, for example, and that would create uh, conditions for them to come together. So if I focus the beam in the middle between four structures, I create the first tetramer, and then, and we can calculate what needed for that. This is, of course, work of my student who really needed a good recommendation letter. so he <laughs> created under electron beam my initials um, and uh, What happens then, and here is an array of tetramers. And this is almost one millimeter. I intentionally put it in such a way that you do see here is a domain boundary right there. But you can create extremely large area, self-assembled system as single crystalline events, because we deposited a nucleation site somewhere in the middle of that. And it was propagating until it met another uh, self-assembling front. So let's go further and come back to this description. And let me call it now physicist view of elastic uh, capillarity. And I will try to show that it's not as simple as competition of um, force coming, uh, competition of elasticity and capillarity. It does work if we talk about mechanical properties and geometries of these structures. What I'm showing here is a very busy slide, but I'm showing you uh, the arrays of these structures. This is increasing diameter. So going here, they become stiffer and stiffer, and of course they become stiffer and stiffer. The clusters that they can make become smaller and smaller, and if you look at the prediction of what these clusters are supposed to be it does follow it pretty nicely Okay, there's another array where I'm increasing the modulus of the structures that I make for the same um, geometrical characteristics and again the cluster size as uh, if the modulus is stiffer and stiffer Almost very small clusters can be made. If they're softer and softer, many more of these things can come together form clusters. Beautiful so far. And all those d- different types of arrays that one can make and different patterns that uh, appear from this self-assembly. Everything changes. At the moment, when for exactly the same mechanical properties, for exactly the same contact angle and, 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 and surface tension properties. I actually change adhesive characteristics of these structures. So what I'm showing here is a simple experiment of taking the structures and subjecting them to plasma treatment for a long time. So what happens then is that as you plasma treat your sample, their size is getting smaller and smaller. And then if I look. And this is the expected prediction of the sizes. And it worked very well for modulus, for diameter, uh, for the critical surface. Ten- the moment we change adhesion, adhesion, they become more and more adhesive after plasma treatment. And for the same mechanical and um, surface properties, the structures, actually, the, the more adhesive they are, the smaller they are, they actually almost do not even cluster beyond simple cluster of four. And the reason here is that instead of reorganization that we have, instead of having this dynamic self-assembling characteristic, they're so adhesive that they just zip down and create extremely stiff unit right away. And they cannot undergo further self assembly But it's more than that. Again, the question is. They self-assemble due to the capillary action. But will they stay assembled after liquid is gone? The only force there to keep them together is adhesive force. So we may not even know that the system undergoes these transitions from uh, from one state to another through through self-assembly, because it may come back to the original state if adhesion is insufficient to hold them together. And to show that this is indeed the case, that any type of adhesive interactions can be changed by simply changing surface chemistry of these structures, what we can do is for a given array of, uh, for a given geometry, for for given mechanical properties, we will just functionalize the surface with different self-assembled monolayers and uh, having carboxylic acid, um, OH groups, uh, and actually changing the lengths of the, uh, of the alkyl chain. And what we see then, and if now I'm <coughs> looking on the percentage of clusters, clustered material after drying, so those that survive drying that are held together by capillary forces, you could see that These actually have almost nothing left. They were straight, and they remain straight at the end. They become highly adhesive if you have carboxylic acid due to the um, hydrogen bonding in this system. But at the same time, um, if I change the size of the alkyl chain with the same carboxylic acid at the end because of limited flexibility of this chain. It would still be adhesive, but significantly less than the ones that are functionalized with the longer molecule. Interesting things happen with, with thiol molecules with thiol on the other end. Again, they, depending on the length of the thiol, they could be more or less adhesive. And you expect thiols to be adhe- quite adhesive. The reason they are not? is that they often loop on themselves on the same uh, gold surface, and they cannot participate in this arrangement. This means that if self-assembly that we try to do is aimed at creating self-assembled systems that stay self-assembled, that they do not disappear, if you want to freeze the final state, you need to think of how to functionalize them, how to make them more or less adhesive, depending what you want to do. And here is an example of the top surface. Half of it was functionalized with methyl terminated. And this is bare gold. After drying, we actually don't know whether they were even um, assembling. But they stay exactly the same as they were before. Here is again a surface that half of it is carboxylic acid terminated. The other one is bare gold. They undergo evaporation. Half of it is clustered and stays clustered. The other one is not. So you can print this on your structures um, by printing different regions. And this is a a nice movie to demonstrate that this, you can have this ephemeral uh, clusters formed. This is an example where you could see clustering. And as evaporation takes place, they're back to unclustered state. So if you do not watch this dynamic process, you may not even know that clustering did occur. But it w- what it also gives us, and the next movie is not that beautiful, because we couldn't focus in the right moment, liquid is in and out. But what it is supposed to show that now I can play with the liquid, an environment that I have. I can imprint certain clusters, in this particular case, uh, Islands of clusters that self-assemble and stay assembled by using, in this particular case, ethanol. And then ethanol gives you very reliable clusters. But then I change environment and I switch from ethanol to chloroform. And it erases, completely erases, we will just switch there in a second, I guess. It erases all the clusters that exist the moment chloroform is introduced because it's now different forces in the system. So you can create, assemble, disassemble by changes of the, let's say, medium in this system. So what that tells me is that if we want to change a little bit the idea of elastic capillarity and add to this chemistry, we should think about it as adhesive elastic capillarity clustering. And this means that we have now ability to Um, create clusters and self-assembly that ends up with self-assembled structures that we want. And if needed, we can make it reversible. We can, by changing environment, by changing chemistry of the surfaces, so contribution from mechanics and surface tension is insufficient to create this diversity of structures that can be formed. And then, we can make something that is very similar to this controlled clustering that is observed in, in natural system. We can play further, and we really like to play. What if I just take these two hairy surfaces, just the same square array that I had before, but I put together two of them on top of each other, and now again introduce liquid and let this liquid evaporate. At this moment. The top and bottom hairs are closer to each other than hairs between the structures, uh, the, than the distance between the structures in either of the substrates, which means that the capillary uh, action will take place between the top and the bottom one. This is the direction in which they're supposed to move. So, what would be something that you would expect in this system? And it's quite clear what one would expect. So there's a little bit more hair, or more hair styles. You have one, you have another one, unlikely that is fully aligned. It may have a certain angle on the top surface compared to the, first, uh, to the bottom surface. You create this more pattern. What's nice about it is that your surfaces now keep this regularity of more patterns, and you can fix it. While Murray patterns, the moment you remove the optic, uh, two surfaces from each other, the optical effect is gone. Here you can freeze it, and you have large area assembly of these hairy surf, uh, structures into, um, into clustered and, in fact, also chiral uh, domains. Depending on the angle between these structures, the size of the unit cell of repeating blocks would change. Um, Chirality depends whether the top surface is placed uh, counterclockwise or anti-counterclockwise. So you would have the same pattern on the top surface uh, clockwise, on the bottom one counterclockwise. So very interesting pattern can be created. And here is the dynamics of this assembly appearance of these independent blocks that uh, self-assembled regions So now they do not depend on each other. They depend on the optical pattern that defines them. And as it dries, you get these um, self-assembled materials. So let's move further because um, I want to add something else. And you're probably already tired of seeing sea urchins, um, and in particular sea urchin spines. But I want to think about not just sea urchin spines that are. Another case of high aspect ratio structures, but again, as I mentioned in the first lecture, these these things between the spines, that is called pedicillaria that are in constant motion, and pedicillaria uh, really there are many dis- there are discussions of their function, but one function is clear: <coughs> um, its constant motion is really effective in anti-fouling action. In fact, sea urchins are extremely clean organisms. There is no microorganisms or sand on their surfaces. And it's attributed largely to the fact that there is a flow of fluid due to movement of these pedicillaria that keeps everything away from the surface. But in fact, I can add more. And it's as if these are unrelated. But there is something, at least for material scientists, for a physical chemist. We're physical scientists. We cannot deal with complexity. We try to reduce it to some common feature. So this reduction in approach, whether we talk about cilia or flowers, or, or this example of Venus flytrap that captures this food, or even these wheat ons that change the angle uh, during Day and night, and in this way, they self seed themselves into the ground. Completely different things, probably completely different action, but to me, the common feature here is simply that there are high aspect ratio structures and they reconfigure. And as they change their orientation and the reconfiguration takes place, function is changing or geometry is changing, something is changing. So what can we do with that? So we already have an array of hairs. We've done a little bit of stuff with evaporation. But let's now add a muscle to our array of hairs. And the muscle uh, could be a whole range of dynamic polymeric systems, in particular hydrogels. Um, the example shown here is hydrogel that is responsive to humidity. So if you have it. In wet case, it has large volume. When it dries, it reduces the volume. So what we were trying to do now is actually um, sty- hair styling with a gel. And in this particular case, the reason I said that it would be all about hair is that hair is actually hydrogel-actuated, integrated, responsive systems. So what happens there is the styling with the gel takes place in such a way that you have high aspect ratio here, and you have a hydrogel muscle underneath. And the way we do it is that we put the precursor to our hydrogel between the structured surface and confining surface that defines the thickness of your muscle. So you synthesize your muscle within the array of your high aspect ratio hairs. And um, we can discuss that That it's a really nice case of tensegrity structures, where the columns correspond to stiff elements loaded under uh, compression. And the shrinking gel exerts tensile forces on that. And the outcome of this is here is array of hairs in dry situation. They're all lying down because the gel is contracted. In the wet case, they're all standing up. And this is a movie of that transition um, as a function of humidity or exposure to the water droplets. So now you have a system, not just hair, but the hair that upon the stimulus that you use can change its orientation. You could still see there's directionality. They can bend in any direction here. But you can do other things with that. And I will show this very busy slide. But the only reason to show that is that there are so many things you can do with that. You can change the hairstyle. For example, geometry of your structures, stiffness of your structures, arrangement of your structures. But you can also change gel to be responsive to light, to temperature, to pH, to to humidity and so many things, or ion concentration, you can put your muscle on top, on the bottom of your array, and see what happens in these structures. How can we change hair? In fact, we can change hair by changing the mold that we use. If you make it out of PDMS, it's elastic material, you can actually, before you replicate it, you can use different um, deformation than from the same, I don't want to pay that much to, to lithography room, from the same master, then you can have a whole range of structures with different geometries um, as a function of deformation of your original um, original uh, mold. That is important because you're introducing anisotropies and asymmetries that you can use later. There are other things that you can do. We developed also a way of pull of changing the profile of these structures, not only their size, but also from a uh, column uh, to have something that uh, is uh, the shape is very similar to, uh, to pyramid or, or um, conical shapes. And then it means that I'm changing the ability to bend, the ability to interact, and so on. But if we think about direction, so five shown that they are bending in all possible directions upon contraction of gel. This is actually a very nice optical image on top that shows. So the droplet is to the left of the image. So where a droplet of water is sitting, the structures are up uh, standing up on the surface with about 90 degrees angle. At the drying front of this droplet, Uh, Gel undergoes um, dehydration. And you could see that the structures change their angle as a function of dehydration of the gel. So one can play with the thickness of your gel. And if we think about hairstyles now, we can do it in the following way. We can have a pattern confining surface, which means that the muscle that I create now has a shape. And of course, it can be done, um, one can model that. But even intuitively, if you create a thicker muscle, where you have more muscle, you have more force, so the structures now will all move in specific directions. So by using a structured confining surface, and the one shown here is, let's say, I put on top of that honeycomb pattern. And then the structures that assemble underneath will now assemble in the form that this confining surface predicts or controls. Here is an example now of an interesting surface, an interesting surface material that in this particular case, in response to humidity, self-assembles actually very fast. And changes as it assembles, it changes color because distances between these um, structures, between the hairs, change as self-assembly takes place. So they form these clusters, hexagonal arrays of flowers. And then you change environment. They come back to original state. The one here is now making these structures very similar in action to be this Hilaria, slow down movie, to come together or be released. Again, depending on the gel, it could be done in pH-responsive or temperature-responsive environment. And you create a dynamic surface uh, that changes its structure. So different gels, for example, pH-responsive gels, can now um, you can use it in, the, um, in submerged environments. So you can control movement. Of matter on top of your structures. And let's say, in particular, in this case, structures in the form of a fin would actually be participating in this process. And more than that, mm, somehow this movie doesn't play. It was supposed to be a beating heart that is just a gel that responds to temperature changes and spreads. And this is another example. Depending whether the gel is expanding or contracting, if I put a fluorescent uh, dye inside your gel, in the expanded state, you have diluted dye. They're not interacting with each other. So you do not even see that the dye is there. As it contracts, and you bring it to a more concentrated state, you see things, words. Appearing, and it's again dynamic, and in this particular case, in response to acidity of the environment. You can do more. You can now add complexity. So, gel, so far it was structured elements with a gel, but I can now add to gel something interesting, and let's say I would add to gel gold nanorods, which means if the gel is temperature responsive gel. I can now uh, use um, light to have localized uh, changes in in this uh, system. And the (coughs) example that I want to show you here is exactly this system with temperature-responsive gel with gold nanorods and um, plates of structures. And I'm using laser. And depending on the laser intensity or size of this spot, you could see that different number of plates are being now actuated due to the local heating induced by gold. And it's very localized now. You don't need to heat the entire gel for this action. Very fast because it's still, well, at least one I want to show. Let's make it even build system further. I mentioned in other lectures, interesting materials are unlikely just single materials. Many of these things are material systems. You put together different things, and you create really interesting feedback loops and interesting mechanisms. So what now if I would just add on the tips of these structures a catalyst? And I'll put it, let's say, in, in microfluidic channel. And I would have a top layer where re- reagents are. And here is a gel that either let these structures up or down. And it's a beautiful work. Um, uh, it's a theoretical part of this work that was uh, done by my collaborator, Anna Balaj. What happens in this system? You can now switch on and off chem- chemical reactions. And for example, um, the, this one, we have a dye on top of the surface. When they're down, and you could see that the plates are down because you see the sides of the, Only the tips are um, carrying the dye, it's nicely green fluorescent. When they stand up, uh, you quench the fluorescence and the fluorescence is gone. But it's a whole range of other things that can be done here. Um, Other examples include, let's say, pulse gas generation. If now you have, say, palladium or platinum on the tips, and you you have catalyzed H2O2 decomposition. This is an example of luciferin and having an enzymatic reaction This is macroscopic view, this is microscopic view. As they come up or down, you see the system lit up and losing its color, and it's fully controlled by contraction of the gel. This is now, the gel is actuated by one trigger, and the reaction is a completely different trigger. So let me finish, really, with homeostatic systems. I love homeostatic. If we're healthy, very homeostatic. Um, Temperatures are controlled. Pressure is controlled. So far, most of the things that we've seen was chemistry in the gel induced mechanical action of the structures. And in the last example, mechanical action induced some chemistry. But if I couple two chemistries such that, um, let's say, I have temperature-responsive gel, and the reaction on top that uh, can take place would be exothermic reaction, then this would be a beautiful feedback, self-regulated system. Because as um, the temperature goes down, gel expands, structures come up, reaction takes place, it generates heat. The moment the temperature is above LCST of of this gel, they again come down. You do not need to use any other trigger. So the system will self-regulate itself and keep the temperature stable. So the uh, different reaction uh, that we can use for that different uh, heat generation. But the outcome really that is important is that here's an example of of a ray that Structures stand up, lie down, stand up, lie down. And here is temperature and uh, position of these structures uh, as a a function of time. (coughs) What happens is that with extremely small amount of fuel in your system, the structures would keep going for more than nine hours in this particular case. Of course, you need more nutrients. Even our our homeostasis wouldn't happen if we don't eat. But the fact that immediately, the moment the temperature goes up, it goes away from the surface. It doesn't overuse your fuel. So actually, it acts for a very long time and creates beautiful um, homeostatic self-regulated material in this particular case with control of temperature. But you can think about it in more broadly. If the gel is pH responsive and the reaction on top is producing or consuming uh, protons, you can create a system that keeps pH constant. If the gel is responsive to um, calcium content, you can have a system that would control um, Control iron composition in in and self-regulate it in a certain way. Beautiful uh, calculation and predictions of how the system should work were done by Anna Balash and thinking about this process as bistable case with self-oscillating reactions, and with that being able to predict how to modulate the intensity of these uh, oscillations. The, uh, what is the peak? What, what should we do? How should we change, um, let's say, chemical reaction that we use, rate of heat production, lengths of these structures, mechanical, and other properties to get uh, the outcome that we want. So wow. Let me just then show very fast two, maybe three applications. So here is one. You can capture particles because they assemble. As they assemble, they capture. As they disassemble, they release these particles. That's also nice hairstyle. But if we think about this ability to assemble and disassemble things, you actually can have local mixing system in your structures. You can then think about reversible superhydrophobicity. If you change the orientation of these structures, and let's say your structures are hydrophobic, when the gel, and gel is hydrophilic, when the gel is contracted on a dry weather, it actually hydrophilic, it absorbs moisture. When it's raining, this gel is expanding. If the gel is a uh, humidity-responsive gel, they're standing up and become w- water repellent. I already mentioned that you can shake off particles that form on these structures. Um, some optical things were al- already obvious in my uh, slides. That's probably even more interesting uh, optical application. It's uh, thinking about thermo-responsive reflectance. If I coat these structures with reflective material, with metal, as they bend and and using temperature-responsive gel, it gets very hot outside. You probably don't care. It never gets hot here. (laughs) But in some other places, it gets hot. So the structures themselves would lie down, become reflective, and change the, the, um, the, the thermal gain of windows, for example. So I will stop at that, but I just mentioned you can control cellular functions and many other things, um, hopefully. And just my final slide is I hope that we can do a lot with these structures. We can, as I mentioned, change geometry, uniformity, uh, order, disorder in your hairs, you can change your um, stimulus, your your gel. You can actually maybe design and to make the gel multifunctional, responsive to multiple stimuli. So the same array can have completely different behavior depending which stimulus you use. But very importantly, predictive models of of their behavior and coupling that to experiments and coming then back from these predictive models to design system with even more interesting behavior. So with that, I want to thank quite a number of people involved in different aspects of this project. Um, And I will be happy for a couple of minutes still to take your questions.